Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Be present with the Lord of Presence. A mudakara by Sheikh Muhammad Fawzil Kerkari, Qaddasallahu Sirrah, from November 9th, 2021. The mudakara began with a question from a Moroccan faqir who happens to be a mathematician. And as he was reciting the litany, the daily wird, he had a vision of a mathematical formula in which he saw the nafs or the lower self displayed before him in the form of an exponential decay formula which is a function that shrinks at a constant percent growth rate ad infinitum it keeps shrinking but never arrives at zero the sheikh comments Let's first begin by understanding the purpose of direct witnessing or mushahada. Why do we witness an ishara, a spiritual illusion, or the nur? The purpose is not to halt with what we see or what we witness. You're not supposed to halt or stop with or be veiled by the ishara or by the nur. The purpose is to understand what you're witnessing. Whenever God sends us an ishara, in a dream or in a waking vision, it's a message that's tailored to us and that we can understand because it's sent by God to the wayfarer. Now, a dream, as the Prophet ﷺ says, is one part of 46 parts of prophethood. If that's the case, then what are we to say of mushahada? A waking vision. In mushahada, you're in your full mental and physical capacity, and you're in a state of complete presence with your Lord. In this presence with our Maker, we receive messages, not mental inspirations, but direct waking visions. They're clear messages that are inscribed before our very eyes. These messages, moreover, were what the righteous forefathers called ishara, the spiritual illusion. They're messages from God, and if we understand their content, then it's incumbent upon us to put it into practice. However, if we fail to grasp the message, if it's illegible to us, then it's as if we haven't received anything, as if we haven't understood anything in the first place. It's like receiving a letter in a foreign language, receiving a letter in a script you can't read in Hebrew or in Latin. Instead of grasping the content of the message, you just tear it apart and throw it away. However, after a long time, we inevitably learn that this message was in fact a solution to a problem that we would come to experience, to an obstacle that we would face and have to surmount. It was a message telling us to change our state and to rectify it. That is why we receive a message. It's impossible for it to be addressed to us and for us not to understand it. Because God does not send an illegible message to a person. What's the point of sending us a message, an ishara, that we cannot grasp? God only sends us that which we are worthy of grasping. However, some grasp the message in a timely manner, 
and others take a week or a month or even longer to understand it. It is to this effect that the Holy Prophet said that he would receive a message as clear as the crack of dawn. That is to say, he sees a dream, let's say, at night and it comes into effect the very next morning. In other words, he would grasp the message instantaneously. Now, how can we learn to comprehend the risala, the letter that God sends us there and then? How can we become a receiver of a letter who upon opening the letter can read and understand and apply it? That is to say, how can we interact with God's ishara? Or how could we become worthy of understanding the language, the tongue of the messages that Rabbuna Azza wa Jal, our Lord Almighty, speaks to us through. The first thing is by clinging to the wird, to the invocation, and to the rites that punctuate our day. If we turn our backs to the rituals, this causes a delay in our relationship with the one who is sending us the message. One of the names of Allah is Al-Mursil, he who sends a risala, a message or a letter. That's Allah Azza wa Jal. So it's not about seeing, but about understanding what we witness or what we see. If we're truly worthy of a divine ishara, it means that we have to become connoisseurs of these messages. Think of it this way. Your father tells you to go to the market and to come back with a half a kilo of potatoes and a kilo of tomatoes and so on. Once you become accustomed to your father's shopping habits, you know what he wants of you the moment he tells you to go out to the market. You know what's missing, you know what needs to be purchased, and so on. You become habituated and you quickly grasp your father's demands by virtue of your extensive interaction with him. And as soon as he looks at you or as soon as he gives you an amount of money, you know exactly what you need to do with it. In an analogous manner, it's in the measure of your understanding and your interaction with your Lord that you come to grasp your relationship with Him. As for Him, Allah He knows what's in your soul, but it's us who have to know what is within us. And so your relationship with your Lord is also defined by your relationship with yourself, by the extent to which you know yourself. Because if you know or recognize yourself, then you will have recognized your Lord. We don't know what exists in the unseen realm of the real, but we must know what is within our soul. And so the more we engage with our Maker, the more He shows us the reality of our own souls. If He shows us this reality and we accept it, and if it's in conformity with the divine norm, great, but if not, it's our duty to rectify our state. If we turn away from Him, then we turn away from what He legislates. Now, the deen, or the religion, or religiosity as such, is the ability to understand God's messages. It's to gain basic literacy in the language by which God speaks to you as a wayfarer. When someone says, what is religion? That's basically it. 
God created you innately disposed to the deen. He creates you upon the fitrah of Islam, the primordial nature or the innate disposition to submission. You're a submitter, a Muslim, by your very fitrah, by your very nature. You don't need anyone to convey some old transmitted report to you because you're predisposed by virtue of being a Muslim on birth. Then you begin to receive messages, first from your parents. Hence, the Holy Prophet says, every child is born upon the fitrah in a primordial state. And it is their parents who raise them to be Jews, Christians, or Zoroastrians. Sahih Bukhari. That is, they have an influence upon the child because of the messages that they, the parents, send to their children. If the father and the mother are upon the guidance of the chosen one, والسلام, then they will send or cast messages on behalf of Allah Ta'ala to the child. The father and mother then become spokespersons, as it were, for eternity within your very life. Then you're sent to school and your teacher is a spokesperson for eternity within your life and then your professors and so on. All these are intermediaries that convey to you what your maker wishes to express to you. Now, these spokespersons are tongues of the real addressing you. Except that these tongues are not all in conformity or alignment with the real. Some tongues are those of the Satans, of the Taghut, the false idols, of any creatures that convey that which does not please the Lord and his messenger Other tongues remain, which are closer to you, but in fact you don't understand how to interact with them. These are the tongues of creation, the trees, rocks, walls, animals, inanimate objects, they convey messages to you that God is one, that He's the only, that He created you, that He loves you, and therefore created you. But you go about your day and you do not understand these letters that are addressed to you. Why don't you? Because you turn away from the invocation, from the remembrance, from the dhikr. If you were in a constant state of remembrance, standing, sitting, and on your side, as Allah says in the Quran. And if you were to reflect on these created things from which you too were created, then you would find them to be messages addressed to you as well. They too are isharas. They too are illusions, sensory and tangible illusions. And you've lived your entire life alongside them for all these years without drawing knowledge from them. This knowledge that's taught in schools, math or whatever it may be, are of course messages from the real or from the Taghut. If they're beneficial, then they're from God, and if not, they're from the Taghut. And these messages, whatever they may be, exercise effects upon the servant in his wayfaring, in his journey back to God. Now, in addition to cultivating the habit of the Wirt, and of the prayers. You have to also forget your past. You see, you've spent half of your life studying 
mathematics, which you're specialized in. And then one day you awaken to your own soul and a desire for repentance begins to burn within you. So you return to the presence of your Lord and you renewed your covenant with God out of a burning desire for repentance, for tawbah. So the first step is simply to forget your past. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ إِذَا نَسِيتَ Invoke your Lord when you forget. Literally, it could mean if you forget God, then invoke your Lord. But in a deeper and even more literal sense, the true remembrance of God begins when you forget. That is to say, when you forget your past and yourself and you just focus on your Lord. At the beginning of your wayfaring, you must forget your past sins and your past beautiful deeds. Don't examine the ugly past, the filth of your past, forget it all. You're starting a new book, a new chapter, a new covenant with your Lord. You want to finish this old book that you started quickly. You want to wrap it up and have a fresh beginning, a fresh start. So you start a new book and the first page of every book has to be blank. The first lesson or the first subject in your new book, this, the introduction to your book is your toba, your repentance. And so practice the istighfar, seeking forgiveness. Seek forgiveness from your sins, from your past, as if telling your Lord, from today onward, I am present, I am hearing, I am obedient, I am aware, I listen, because you spoke to me, my Lord, for 40 years of my life and I didn't listen to you a single time. But now I'll do it, now I'm ready to listen. And so I say istighfar to kindle this niyyah, this intention, and this inner intellect within me. And I begin with the morning wird and the night wird with presence in the prayer, saying, Lord, here I am, I call out to you. I do this so as to prove to myself that I'm ready to listen to you. So speak to me, Ya Allah, through an ishara, that I may understand. And why wouldn't I understand? Now I am doing istighfar. Before I was balid, I was an idiot. Because for 40 years I was distant from obedience, from your presence, from your path. This is how to do it. What do you think we're working on here? What do you think we're doing here? All these 40 years of distance from God's path. Now I'm facing you, my Lord. So don't drive me away. Now I'm here standing by your door. So have mercy upon me, Allah. You turned away from the Lord, but He didn't turn away from you. Your Lord Almighty is not the one who turned away from you. Rather, He's constantly facing you. He's your Qibla, wherever you turn. It's the disobedient one, the sinner, the heedless one, the forgetful one who takes obedience lightly, who turned away from the Lord, who treated obedience with disdain. Now that you wish to return to the Divine Presence, it's incumbent upon you to prove that you are among those who listen among the obedient, among those who gaze, those who speak, among those who truly feel and are aware. Think of it like this. You were a disobedient son and now you realize that your father is not only important, he is life itself and that you must spend your life in his service. So display and prove this. Prove that you've changed. Prove that you're a subservient child. Prove that you're obedient to your father beyond even his expectations 
and then he'll trust you and he'll say my son has truly changed if this is how one creature interacts with another then simply apply that principle to your relationship or your interaction with your maker and do this in order to teach yourself that you want to change this is the basis of a sound life do I really want to change unlike some who have this stifling feeling when they begin to worship they have a heaviness as if it were a pain a whip something imposed a burden that they have to carry when they pray when they give charity the alms tax when they fast for them these are actions you perform out of fear for hell far from it this prayer this fast this zakat it's none other than a message a letter by which you tell yourself my lord I am now obedient to you here I am among those who listen among the attentive those who are attuned to your illusion I only prayed in order for you to place me among the obedient among the God lovers not out of desire for heaven or fear for hell but to affirm that I have become weary of my own soul which was disobedient to you and now I am obedient so my Lord bring me out of my heedless state awaken me from my own distance teach me that which brings me near to you now one begins to taste worship it's now that one begins to love one's worship but if you see worship as some kind of chastisement a scolding something that if you don't do you'll be judged and punished even if you practice these ritual forms of worship you're not going to perfect them and it's just a heavy burden that you carry you don't feel it you pray out of fear of hell so if hell were to be removed out of the equation then so would the prayer so would your link with your Lord in contrast there are those who seek attainment who seek divine proximity who tell themselves that they've lived years without listening to their Lord I know that this cosmos this entire creation is none other than an arrow pointing to you my Lord through which you communicate to me in a language grasped by the one who's clever who's astute who's attentive who's present who's aware one who turns to you one who approaches you but that wasn't me I was the total opposite my Lord I didn't grasp this message I only grasped its forms I looked upon the forms I did not understand their meanings or their content rather I corrupted those forms I corrupted that letter this book I tore it apart I added to it without right without having any right to change it I innovated I turned away and now I wish to rectify my state Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama sallaita ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ali Sayyidina Ibrahim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ali Sayyidina Ibrahim fil alamin innaka Hamidul Majid